Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here alongside me, my partner on the airways as always. It's Sarah Jones. And we have a special guest with us today, Christine Stevenson. And uh, before we kind of jump into our special guest, Sarah, I want to check in with you and see where are you, how are things, and what's new and exciting? Well, hello, everyone. Hello, Nino. Hello, Christine. Happy to have you here. Um, We are in Colorado right now, and I was just sharing with my um, co-host here. You guys know it is cold. It's currently 68 degrees in um, it's windy and I'm sitting here literally freezing thinking I need to turn on my little heater. And I'm sure most of our listeners are like, she's crazy. That's perfect weather. But, um, I am freezing. I'm freezing. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. It's so cold. Uh, you can make your <laughs> way back down to Arizona. It's just going to be, you know, 101 today. So I'll take it. I'll switch. Well, I'm excited to have Christine with us today. She's a speaker, author, and talk radio show host. She has worked as a tax examiner and and is currently a tax resolution specialist and personal financial coach. And she is the author of a new book, How to Avoid Trouble with the IRS, 10 Best Tax Tips for the Self-Employed, Gig Worker, and Indie Contractor. And we're excited to have her here today to discuss tax planning with our listeners. Hi, Christine. Hi, Nino. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background? You certainly have a ton of expertise that I cannot wait to uh, unpack, but uh, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Great. Thank you. Yeah, good question. So I am, as you said, a tax resolution specialist, specifically I am an IRS enrolled agent, which is a credential that the IRS awards, its highest award that it offers, and you have to pass a series of exams to get that credential. It's on ethics, business tax law, personal income tax, and after you pass those exams, you get this credential, and you take uh, continuing education credits every year, and you have to maintain good standing with the Office of Professional Responsibility. And so that allows me now to represent people that have trouble with the IRS, individuals and businesses alike. So that's uh, one thing that I do. And I'm a financial coach like you are. And, and I have a, uh, an interesting background a little bit where I came from as an adult. I've been in debt, fired, living unemployment check to unemployment check, which turns out not to be a lot of money. I've been divorced and uh, separated you know, from my kids for a bit and, and just struggling personally as well as financially, but I worked my way out of that. So I understand oftentimes some of where our coaching clients are coming from, from that perspective. So I've been in that hole, I dug my way out, and so I can understand how to help them uh, to that extent also. And as you said, I'm an author. I uh, I set up one night uh, two years ago in August of 2021, sat up at midnight one night and told my husband, I can't sleep. I've got to write a book. He said, okay, uh, which one? To his credit, because we talked about me writing a book before. And that book became How to Avoid Trouble with the IRS. And that 
was, was, was born from my time at the IRS. I spent seven years in Austin at the IRS talking with thousands of people, literally thousands of people across the United States. Some of them are small business owners, sole proprietors, LLCs. And I literally touched tens of thousands of tax returns. And I saw what was on people's returns and I saw the mistakes and things that they were making. And then I became a financial coach. This is all kind of like going on simultaneously, getting the enrolled agent credential, becoming a financial coach. I went through the Ramsey training program and joined some coaching communities. And I started seeing these coaching questions that would come in from new coaches. How, how do I, you know, what, what do I, do I need to be an LLC or a sole proprietor? What, what do I do? And do I have to pay self-employment tax or something to the IRS? You know, what, how do I do this? And so I would answer these questions in the, in the forums. And eventually this is what became part of the book, this basic stuff that people need to know and do to avoid trouble with the IRS. And that's, it became, the book became a marketing tool. It's getting, gotten me into to podcasts such as yours and speaking engagements. It's been, it's been a real door opener for me. And that's why I'm here today, bringing all that to your listeners. Fantastic. And as I said earlier, I cannot wait for us to kind of unpack. I know what uh, we have planned for our listeners is we want to first maybe unpack tax prep planning and preparation for the W-2 employee, the person mm-hmm. who has that regular nine to five or you know is essentially just paid by somebody else and not off on their own. But don't worry, for all of our listeners who are self-employed, we are going to also pick Christine's brain about how do you prepare and tax plan for all the gig economy. I love that you call it the gig economy. Actually, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment just to mm-hmm. uh, explain in your own words, right? Because I think sometimes even though we share language, people have a different idea of, of what certain things mean. So when you say for the gig economy, um, what does that mean? What, is it, what does that mean? No, great yeah. question. The gig economy, the gig worker. And that was that really blossomed from out, out of the pandemic. I mean, there's been lots of people that have been in this economy. It's been around, you know, 10, 12 years or so. And what it means is people, for instance, that work from home, like we do, uh, freelancers, graphic artists, people that are uh, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, things like that. They're, they're making money as a, as a self-employed person, but not necessarily in the more traditional uh, self-employed world, such as, you know, painting, painting contractors or people that, um, oh gosh, I don't know, think of a thousand different, different self-employment type jobs people do. Those that, you know, are roofers. Okay. Uh, any kind of contract work for, for house building, things like that. Those are the more traditional air quote, self-employed type jobs. But these other things, the gig economy, we are making work from our knowledge and our expertise and things that we know and skills and talents that we have. Not that painters don't have a skill and talent, but they're not working from home necessarily. Mm-hmm. So a lot of gig economy workers work from home and they contract out to provide marketing services just tons of different things. So that's, that's the gig economy. That's the gig worker. I hope that people that are on Fiverr, Fiverr, however you pronounce that, those are gig economy workers. There's a good example. Yeah. I think the nomenclature, the, 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 the verbiage I would like our listeners to be 
really mindful of is when we talk about W two employee, you're employed by somebody else, and so Correct. by be by uh, receiving pay payment from somebody else, usually taxes are already uh, taken out and, and sent off to you know both the federal and the local level, and then the 1099 contractor, which is funny because I've been I've been doing 1099 work for over a decade now, but I can't really tell people I'm a contractor because the picture that they get in their mind is a, one of those contractors who builds things, right? So right, oh, do you yes. build houses? Do you do roofing? And it's like, no, 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 I'm not that type of contractor. It's different. But 1099 contracting usually just means that you're being paid directly uh, either by a client or it can be a company that you're mm -hmm. you're kind of working for, but they're not withholding any taxes. And so that's why we want to kind of differentiate some of that um, that that verbiage and understanding. W two employee, you have taxes being withheld. Ten ninety nine contractor, you do not. And as you said, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, all of those uh, like DoorDash and all those service industry things. things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, we've all become our own boss in a way mm -hmm. by by being contractors. I would I would throw the word independent in front of contractor, independent contractor. That helps. I think define it a little bit more clearly. And I think I also put that, put that on my book. Yeah. The indie contractor. So uh, you're right. Otherwise, Oh, you're a, you're a you know, painter. You're a roofer. What contract work can you do for me? No, no, no. That's not what it is. So you're independent, just you making some money. No taxes are being withheld. You have to take responsibility for that. Yeah. And Sarah, I know you and I have talked about this in the past. Um, the idea of um, where, tax planning should start for the um, for the W-2 employee. And you and I have talked a little bit about this idea of like the tax refund at the end of the year. Like, do you have a refund? Is it large or do you owe? So uh, why don't you get us started with that? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, and I think I'll just share that we've done a couple of episodes on this. And I think there's so much good information. I would always, you know, ask our listeners to go back and, and check out those episodes too, because I think when you combine all of these together, you're going to leave with a hopefully a much better understanding of your options and the choices that you have and hopefully feel more comfortable in making some of these um, decisions for yourself. And, you know, when we look at getting a large refund, or I'll even throw in, you know, owing, maybe you owe a lot come tax time, you know, come April 15th, and you have, um, you know, a large tax bill that you owe. There, there's so many options that you have um, regarding what is withheld mm -hmm. on your checks as a W-2 um, employee. And Christine, I'd love to, to share, you know, have you share too, um, you know, what are some of the, the options that people have? And, and I'd like to talk about too, like bringing in some more confidence, you know, in, in our listeners making some of these choices and these decisions for themselves. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. So, and there is so much to unpack there. We'll take some little baby steps here a little bit at a time and unload this. So every year, if you are an employee, you get a W-2 at the end of the year. And of course you have your total wages that's in box one and your total federal income tax withheld that's in box two. And depending on a whole bunch of 
other information on your tax return, you're going to end up having one of two things happen, which is true for the vast majority of individuals. You're going to get a refund or you're going to owe tax. That's pretty much it for everybody. And in the tax planning world, now, I don't know if either one of you know this little pop quiz here. Did you know that the ideal refund and the or the ideal amount of tax owed is $100 or less in either direction? Mm. That's optimal. You owe 100 or you're getting about 100 back. And the reason that is true is if you're getting $100 back or if you owe $100 or less, that means you've paid just the right amount of tax all year long to the IRS coming out of your paychecks. You've balanced it really, really well. Your income with your deductions and your credits and whatever else is going on your tax return. That's the sweet spot when you, when you have that, when you have that balance. And so if you are paying just the right amount of tax to the government, i.e. the IRS, that means you're keeping the maximum amount of money in your wallet, in your purse. So you can do whatever you need to do with your money every month. And, and I believe that people, individuals, you, me, everybody else can handle money better than the government, our own money. We're going to handle it better than the government. Would you say that's generally true? I would. I'd raise my I've hand s- and say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I know that we actually said on uh, a previous episode that, um, you know, the, the government is notorious for mismanaging money. They're notorious for not knowing how to manage money well. And so I'd much rather uh, our listeners be managing their own funds, like you said, and bringing that maximum amount home uh, to take care of you know, the financial goals that they have. Exactly. And, and there is a school of thought for many people that, oh, I want a big refund. And I get that. I was that person years ago, 20 years ago. I was like, oh, I want a big refund. Yay. Woo-hoo. I go out and do whatever I want with this money. For some people, it's forced savings. That is what what a refund means. And what do they use that for? They pay off debt. They put a down payment on something, a house or a car. Uh, Maybe they use it for a tuition payment for a kid that's in school or a vacation or whatever the the thing is that they want to do with their money. So they like that big refund. You know, it's Christmas in March kind of thing. But, okay, that that could be useful without a doubt. But again, if you had that money in your pocketbook all year long, you get to choose what you're doing with the money. And I believe, as we were just saying, that you're a better steward of of what you can do with that. And so when you when you have this money, then you have choices. If the government has it, you don't have a choice. And and what it really is is giving the government an interest-free loan. Where else in your life? Are you getting or giving a loan to someone that is interest-free? Is the bank giving you an interest-free loan on your mortgage? My guess is no. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe a, a really close family friend might give you an interest-free loan or only charge you a couple percentage points or something, but uh, that's pretty rare. So why are you giving the government your money, an interest-free loan, and getting it back uh, is a refund? I, 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 I think I think we can do better. Yeah, and I I want to jump in here really quick because I want to say I used to love getting large refunds, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I'll, I'll be really honest. We put money into savings. We put money into the kids' savings accounts, you know, when they were younger, which then, um, you know, helped them out with college tuition and such. We used it for, um, vacations, but I'll say I loved that, but I didn't know that I had other choices or other options with that. Right. And so I loved it until I didn't. And I mean, I loved getting that refund until I understood, right? And somebody explained to me, hey, Sarah, what would you be able to do with this money every month, right? Because we were living what felt like paycheck to paycheck. We did have a lot of debt. Life was stressful, right? And so I loved getting the large refund until I learned that I had some other choices with it and I had some other options. And, and I just want to say, I've got a couple of clients. They love getting that large refund. And you know what? It, we're working on the mindset and we're working. And if that's what works for them, I, I don't have to agree with it or not. It's what works for them, but they know that they've got some options. And I, I love that we're sharing this because I think so many of us didn't know or don't know that we can make changes. We can make adjustments, right? Absolutely. Yes. And, and part of, of doing that is, is looking at your pay stub to begin with and understanding, well, how much is coming out in, you know, every time I get a paycheck and there are the way to change this. Once you become aware of what's in your paycheck, when you look at the pay stub and comparing it to your tax return, when you, when you file is, is to, Get into what we call, this is where the meat, the meat and potatoes is, is the form W-4. That is the form that you're going to be looking at and changing to give less money to the government and more money in your wallet, in your paycheck every single month. And, and I love to talk about the W-4. I have, I have a, here, a little quick side note. I'm self-employed. And I also have a side hustle. My side hustle is a, is a job, a J-O-B. I work for a company called TaxHawk. And I get to chat and talk with people that are in the midst of preparing their tax returns or that have already filed. And they get letters from the IRS and they're being penalized for hundreds of dollars because they didn't have enough withholding come out of their paychecks. And they owe five, 10, 15, 20, $30,000 to the IRS. And so I talk to them all the time. Let's get your W-4 adjusted. So that's the first thing you need to know about is Form W-4. And you can look at, you can look this up. Google Form W-4. Get the IRS version. That's the one that you want. And the form itself is, is one page, but the PDF document that you're going to get when you Google this is four pages. It's got the first page, which is the actual form. It's got the second page, which is a bunch of instructions. And the third page is some really handy worksheets. If you, if you are a family that has more than, than two jobs, maybe you have two jobs and someone else is, has a self-employment gig, you know, side hustle or everyone's self-employed, or there's two people that have self-employment and one person has wages, job. It takes into account all those things as form W4. And the fourth page is a really cool chart. It has a, has an X and Y axis. And it, it's set up with different uh, filing statuses. If you're married or you're single or maybe you're head of household and it, and it guides you to look at these columns, you know, who makes the most amount of money? I think that's on the, the Y axis. I don't remember the X and Y. You know, who makes the most amount? And who makes the least amount? And it guides you to this little point. 
And it's, it's, um, it's very illustrative on how much you can have come out of your paychecks. And I know it sounds really complicated and it can be, and it's a slow process. And I help people with this all the time. And, uh, and it's, it's very eye opening. And the other tool that people can also use is the IRS withholding estimator tool. You just Google that withholding estimator tool. And it's going to pop up. It's a super easy tool. I just did this last night myself. I thought, well, in preparation, I need, to, I haven't been through this for a while. I need to go through this tool. And thought, uh, I thought, oh, this would be good practice. And it, it was a good reminder for me. I'm in this world all the time. And so it's, it's also about paying attention to your money all year long and, and what you can do with your money if you have it and not the government. So we're going to talk a little bit about the estimator tool. Yeah, I Have love that. And I that? Just, you know, you know, I just used it um, recently when my husband and I worked, um, you know, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, you know, because we became W-2 employees where we have been, you know, gig workers for a couple of years, right? And so um, I just went through this process and I just want to highlight and share with our listeners, please don't hesitate to reach out and ask questions because the W-4 form has changed over the past couple of years and where it used to be maybe, I don't think it was necessarily easier. I think we were accustomed to it and used to it. And with the, the form changing, it's so important to number one, ask questions, but use what you just shared, Christine, use the extra forms, you know, on the PDF to go through it, use the estimator calculator, right? And, and to really dig in so you are doing the best possible for your family, right? When you're just guessing, you're giving your control away, right? And you might not be doing the best and you might feel really frustrated. Just take a few minutes and reach out, use those estimators, go through the instructions um, because it has changed. Refamiliarize yourself with the process, right? And what it really means for your family now. Yes. And I would say that I do think it's, it's, it's not as straightforward or we were accustomed to it for years. Absolutely. But it's, uh, it's, it's not quite as easy. Here's a quick, for instance, they used to have a little box that said that you could check. It says, I am exempt from withholding. That box is gone. It's nowhere to, it doesn't exist on page one. You have to go read in the instructions. These very specific things that says if you are if if you meet these two criteria, you have to you have to write exempt on the form. You and there's no you just write it in the white space below step four C. It's crazy. So I think a lot of people that that might otherwise say they're exempt and to be exempt, you essentially have to have no income tax liability on last year's tax return, and you expect to have no income tax liability on this year's return, meaning, meaning zero, you're not going to pay any tax. So, um, that then you can claim exempt, but that they, they took that away, that little checkbox. So, um, I think there's some people that are missing out, but yes, go through the form. And when you use the estimator tool, there's a number of, there's a number of things you want to have ready. You need to have your pay stubs, your most recent pay stubs, if you're employed and the current year's tax return or the tax return you just filed. And for most of us, that's the 2022 tax return. I, I filed an extension. I'm my, our 2022 return is, is now ready and I'm just about to file it. But that's the information that I used when I went through the estimator tool last night. So those are the things you need to have ready. And it's not a rush, rush, rush quick. You're not going to figure this out in five or 10 minutes. 
you need to block some time. I would say an hour to go through this carefully. And if you mess up, that's okay. You can backtrack. It's super, super helpful. And what the calculator does, I will just add, is project all the way through to the end of this year, 2023. Are you going to owe or are you going to have a refund? And if you owe, what steps can you take now in September or October when you're listening to this? What can you do now to fix that? If you're going to owe tax, maybe you need to start sending some, some more money in in estimated payments, or maybe you need to increase the withholding from your paychecks, and you do that through this form W-4, which, is, I, which is a lot. And I just want to share a, an example, uh, like a for instance here. So when I came across this information a little over a decade ago, um, there, were, there were two big aha moments that I had. One was when I did the estimator tool for the first time and, and plugged in all the numbers it asked for. What I realized at that moment is that allowances, because it's going to ask you how many allowances mm -hmm. you yep. have, allowances are not the same thing as dependents as I thought it was. So because I'm married and I had two children, I thought at most maybe three dependents, right? Because my wife doesn't work outside the home, uh, even though she's not truly a dependent. So I was like, it's either two or it's three. And then I realized, no, 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 this word allowances is, is something very different. And so the very first year that I did this, and I don't remember what time of year it was. And so this is certainly not me suggesting that if you're a family of four, this is what you should choose. But I ended up adjusting my allowances to like nine or something. And then by the time everything came out in the wash, um, I still got a refund. And because it was, I think it was rel relatively late in the year, I still got like a $400 refund, but that was way down from the four to $6,000 refunds I was used to getting. So what, th so then the second aha, not only about like the allowances and adjusting it there, but the second aha was I just got a massive raise in my in my biweekly paychecks mm -hmm. because that $6,000 I was normally going to get at the, you know, the beginning of the next year was now coming home in the form of, of my paycheck. And so I don't remember if it was two or $300 per paycheck, but it was a pretty significant amount of money all of a sudden coming home, helping me to do the things that I wanted to accomplish financially a lot earlier. Now I didn't have to project like, oh, maybe I can pay off that credit card, you know, when I get my tax refund. It's I can make these extra two, three hundred dollar payments every two weeks now and I'll have it paid off a lot sooner. And so big aha moments happened Absolutely. When, when I went through this the first time. And I, I as I've helped people go through this estimator tool, they experienced some of the same things, especially when we get to when we get to the end and it has this projection, do you owe or do you have a refund? And they'll say, Oh, well, my refund is like nothing. You know, I'm used to thousands of dollars. Especially if you have children, your refunds can tend to be higher, depending on, you know, how much income you make and other factors. But they would say, Oh, but they'd be bummed. I'm used to getting this big refund. And I'd say, Yes, that's true. But have you noticed all year long or for the first half of the year, whatever time of year we're doing this? Have you noticed you've had more money in your paychecks 
it's easier to buy groceries or pay bills or whatever it is they want to do. They go, oh, oh, yeah, I guess it has been. I said, well, that's because you're, instead of getting that big refund, as you just said, Nito, you're getting more in your paychecks. And it's kind of shoop, light bulb mm-hmm. moment. And it turns out most people like almost grudgingly like the money during the year rather than the refund. We, we all like to get that big sum of money, but recognize, oh, well, it's more useful for me throughout the year. And that's what I, that's what I like for people is to have more use of their money all year long rather than that big refund. Yeah. It's because we want to eat our cake and have it too. So we sure. want the, we want it in our paychecks and we want the big refund at the end of the year, but you have to pick that one or the other. Can't, can't, can't have both for sure. Yeah. Have you, um, so Sarah, you, you were saying that you, you were at Sturgis and you were going to be, you, you have recently used this tool. Is that what I heard you say? I did. Yes. And, um, you know, it was interesting. I went through it and because of my husband and I's lifestyle, he has worked at a couple of different places, W2 throughout the year. I am, uh, you know, gig worker, my own boss, you know, so I pay estimated quarterlies and, um, you know, handle all of my own taxes. Um, you know, and the way that it worked out was, we just decided we're just going to um, uh, leave it and not go through, you know, and really deciding exactly how much to have withheld. We just had, we elected to have the maximum amount withheld. Um, And because it was for such a short period of time that we were there, um, frankly, it wasn't a ton of money either. Right. And I think that that's something to take into consideration. Um, it was a good reminder again, just to take the time and go through it, you know, just to Mm -hmm. really take the time and go through it and put your numbers in. So you're making the best decision for your family at the time. Right. And instead of going into it blindly, and that's the best thing that I can say is that, um, you know, I think knowledge is power, you know, and when we, gain the information when we take time to learn we then can make better decisions based on you know our family our own specific needs versus just kind of throwing it out there in the wind and seeing what sticks and i i really hate to see people do that right because then oftentimes i'd say probably 99 percent of the time it comes back and we're frustrated right it didn't work Mm -hmm. out the way that we wanted we owe we owe way too much or we um you know we we did get a large refund back, but we really could have used some of those dollars, um, you know, each month to, to help us cover groceries and our rent. Right. And so I just encourage people to, to take the time to learn about it. You know, it's not as scary if you learn about it. It feels really scary and really overwhelming when you're going into it blind. But they give you so much information. That tool, it, like you said, it takes some time, but it really walks you through every piece of it. It's, it's really pretty user-friendly. It, it really is. And it has some, the explanations at the end of the program on, on, you know, your refund is based on the information that you put in into the program or your, your tax owed is based on, on the current information that's reflected in your, in your W-4. And it, it explains what to do on the W-4. It gives you the steps. Step one, or one A, you know, put this number or step 
to be, leave this blank. It, it tells you where to put the information. Even if it's, if you print out a paper W4 and you write the information down based on what the estimator tool gave you, then you can go to your payroll department. A lot of companies have online access to W4s, your W4, mm-hmm. and you can open it up and you walk through the steps and you imitate what's on your paper copy that you wrote down and you put that you put that in the um, in the in the HR's payroll system. And then you also have the ability to call and or talk to someone in payroll and verify that is this what I is am I doing what I think I'm doing this is what I want to do. And you have a you have a way to cross check. You're not in this alone necessarily. Your payroll department, that's their job is to help you figure this out. So, and you can use it more than once. You don't have to leave your W4 as it is. You can change it at any time during the year. That's that that was actually an eye opener to me when I learned about this years and years ago. You don't have to set it and walk away at the beginning of the year. You could go back in. I like to recommend checking at least twice during the year to see where you're at. How are your projections? How how is it working for you? And you can adjust. And the earlier you adjust in the year, the less pinch or burden you'll feel towards the end of the year. Because if you, if you, let's say, let's say you, as an example, you go through the estimator tool and you find out in October, you're going to owe six grand. That's what's projected to the IRS. Well, in October, there's only six. I think if you, if you get paid biweekly or twice every month, there's like six, maybe six or seven payroll cycles left. So you have six payroll cycles to, to take out $6,000 just to, to get to zero, to owe zero tax. Mm-hmm. That's a thousand bucks every paycheck. Yeah. That's a lot of money to lose out of your paycheck. Most people, you know, I don't know, can do that or not. So if you're adjusting earlier in the year, you absorb, you, you absorb it over the course of time. You, you have to have, if you still owe 6,000, if you find out in March, you're going to owe $6,000. Well, you've got eight or nine months. You've got, I don't know what, 15 or 16 payroll cycles to, to account for that. So use this tool. Yeah. Yeah. And also along with that, you know, uh, I suggest that people go through it. If you've had a major life change, right. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, birth of a child or adoption, you know, that that significantly changes things. Um, you know, a variety of, of, if your life has really changed, um, Go through and do that estimator again, right? And see how does this impact, potentially impact my my life. And let's make some adjustments, right? I love it. It's not a set it and forget it. It's no, you have right. options. You can make changes throughout the year. And I was going to say the other thing too, uh, big changes. You're, you're mentioning adoption or the birth of the child. If you get a bonus, mm. five or $10,000, that can swing your swing you into another another uh, income tax bracket, and those are the sorts of things. Or you get you win the lottery, yay! <laughs> you know, a, a big amount of income like that. Or maybe you inherit an IRA, and because of the rules that are now in place, you have to start taking retirement money out from the person that you inherited the IRA from. There's all sorts of additional ways income can come in. Or you have a really great year in the stock market and made a lot of money. And this happened to a very close family member of mine. Made a lot of money in the stock market and all of a sudden had a $55,000 tax bill. Mm. And 
$55,000 wasn't set aside because of a variety of reasons, lack of planning, lack of not knowing what to do, not understanding how to make an estimated payment. And actually that, that would might be something to dive into here just briefly. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be self-employed to make what's called an estimated tax payment. If you come into a lot of money or you realize, oh, I'm going to owe the IRS more money than I want to come tax time, and you don't want to take money out of your paychecks, another way to, to mitigate this is to, to make a voluntary tax payment, a voluntary and estimated payment. And anybody can do this. You go to the IRS website, irs.gov forward slash payments, and you go through some steps. You have to verify who you are, and you can go in and elect to make an estimated payment. You tell the IRS how much money you want to come out of your bank account or to debit a debit card. They do have credit card options. And if I have my enrolled agent hat on, I would say, yes, you can make a credit card payment. If I take my enrolled agent hat off and put on my coaching hat, I say, don't use a credit card. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do a direct debit out of your bank account or, or just use your debit card. But you can make that, that voluntary payment. And you set the day that you want the IRS to take that money uh, from your account and you get an immediate receipt that you've made that payment. And then that, that works for you on your tax return, like, like a credit, you get credit for that come tax time. And so if, again, if you come into a large sum of money or you know that you're going to be doing really well in the stock market because of buys and sells, make an estimated payment, do yourself a favor. It's super, super important. Even if you, you are an employee, you have a job. This is something you can do to help yourself that, that I see people don't do and I wish they would. And I have this, I have this conversation after the fact so many times. It's very frustrating because all it's, it's all easy to do on the front side, do this stuff up front. All right. And so Christine, everything we've been talking about with the W4 and, and adjusting, um, that, uh, either to take out more taxes from your paycheck or, uh, to, reduce the amount of taxes taken out of your paycheck. That is all um, advice for our wage earner, our W-2 employee. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, what I'm really excited about is um, we're going to have you back on to talk about the 1099 contractor and that that gig employee. Uh, But before we completely wrap things up, I want to invite um, our listeners who are ready to take their financial growth to the next step to schedule a free discovery call with either Sarah or myself or schedule a call with Christine to do some tax planning. And we'll have all the links uh, available for you to do those in the show notes. And during your personal session, we'll discuss your specific financial goals. We'll gain clarity on your challenges and we'll explore on uh, how working with a financial coach can accelerate your progress. Don't miss out on this valuable opportunity. Book your free discovery call now and create the new money habits needed to achieve financial freedom. Christine, I want to thank you again for joining us and having a robust conversation about how W-2 employees can do a little bit of uh, tax planning and and take control of their income tax situation. And I cannot wait to have you back on so that we can talk about it with the gig worker as well. 
So thanks again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.